So we're uh, continuing our relatively new study in the the book of First Timothy, and uh, like any good, I guess any good, I aspire to be a good preacher teacher. I feel like I got to lay uh, groundwork before we jump into a, into a book, and and a lot of times pastors will or teachers will do that from a um, kind of a historical perspective. You know, they give. The, the environment that's happening in and around the, the authorship and, and and I wanted to do something a little bit different than that as we as we jumped into as we jumped into first uh, Timothy so we've, we've kind of been last week and then this week looking at how Timothy played out in the book of Acts right? How he was played, how it played out in the uh, in the book of Acts. So last week we saw that he was uh, the fruit. So I put these up. That he was the fruit of Paul's first missionary journey, either directly or indirectly. Right? He himself received Christ at that point, or at least those around him did. Uh, maybe even his family. And uh, there was some value in uh, the connection in 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 his towns. Uh, the town that he lived in, Derby and Lystra, that area. Uh, who knows exactly what home, uh, what town he made a home in, but he connected with Paul on his first missionary journey. We also noted noted that that is at the end of Paul's first missionary journey. It was almost like he got to that point and produced fruit that he was after. He obviously had a significant event there, being stoned, and then they start heading back to Antioch. At that, uh, you know, from that point forward, and so we we really stopped tied to Paul's first missionary journey. But he was familiar with division, right? Those when when Paul preached, and there were Jews and Greeks that believed, but some of them didn't. And there was division. Uh, there was a confusion at one point because they thought Jupiter and. Uh, Mercury or Mercurius had 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 come down as gods because they they had done miraculous healings, which was the next point that Timothy may have actually experienced those, not necessarily himself, but experienced them and seeing them. He had personal experience with Paul's discipleship ministry. Paul invested in him. He uh, Timothy saw how Paul invested in people who invested in people, and that's really the point of our discipleship ministry is someone invested in the person who invested in me and I need to invest in someone so that they in fact can invest in someone right that's that's the nature of growth and a, and a, and a healthy discipleship ministry his his testimony T- Timothy's testimony may have actually been repeated or told when Paul went back to Antioch so when Paul goes back to Antioch and tells how the first missionary journey goes or at that point the missionary journey that he was on when he goes back to uh, to Antioch and he tells them, uh, it, it appears as though he uh, communicates how what God was doing and, and people like Timothy, whether he referenced Timothy by name or not, we'll, we won't know until we get the uh, chance to ask Paul or Timothy or other Antioch believers in eternity. But we do believe that he was on Paul's heart because as we wrapped up last week, we see that Paul says... I want to go back and see those who who we ministered to. I want to go back. And when he gets, and, and we're going to see this right out of the gate here, when he Paul gets back to, to the area where Timothy is, he snatches him up for ministry. And I can't help but think 
that Paul uh, had a burden for this young man, that he uh, believed that he was uh, prepared to do uh, potentially a great work for the Lord and that he saw God working in his life. So uh, today, as we jump back into it, we'll still primarily be in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn to Acts 15... Most of the verses will be on the screen. Matter of fact, I think, again, for the purposes of this kind of historical look back, I think all of the verses will be on the on the screen today. Um, not always the case, but I think in, in this, or I'm sorry, and in the book of Acts, rather. But in the book of Acts, at, at, toward the end now, Paul is getting ready to go back on his next missionary journey, what we now know as Paul's second missionary journey. In verse 39... Uh, let's go back up 36 for a little more con- context. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. This was a, the fundamental premise of the ver- of this last point that he was on Paul's heart. Um, but he, uh, we, we actually will see that Timothy fills uh, a need or filled a need on Paul's team because... In verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark, who we didn't look at last week, but you may remember at one point on the first missionary journey, John Mark decides, I'm out. I can't do what God's asked of me on this on this um, missionary trip. And he leaves Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary uh, trip, kind of high and dry. He leaves and, and goes home. I, it would be hard for me to fathom that. I've not heard of or been a part of a missionary trip, and I've been to most of the, I guess by definition, most of the continents on the United States on mission trips in some way, shape, or form. It would be hard for me to fathom one of the people saying, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm just heading home. Like, it's just kind of weird. You, you just kind of stick it out. You do what God's called you to do. So it was a big deal when John Mark left. And But Paul, look in verse 38, thought not good to take him, John Mark, with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not to them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, and sailed unto Cyprus. So they literally, this missionary, this first missionary journey team splits. And Paul chooses Silas. Paul chose Silas and depart, departed, being recommended unto the or by the brother and unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Okay, so he goes. So that's literally where Paul is going to go. He's going to go into Cilicia, uh, to Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, a quick side note: there were no churches uh, in Cilicia on the first missionary journey. So there's at least some reason to believe that Paul's philosophy of ministry was already replicating itself. There were already living faithly summits church out of this church being formed out of the churches that Paul helped establish on his first missionary journey. Um, So he wants to go and he wants to confirm the ministry grandchildren, if you will, those that were being discipled by those he discipled or those that were reached by those he reached. And so he wants to go and, and do this. But notice in verse Chapter 16 and verse 1, then he came to Derbe and Lystra. That's where Timothy lived. And then in verse 3 and 4, in him, Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him? Um, So so we see all of this. It's kind of interesting because starting in Acts 15, 41, he is referencing Paul. 
So Silas, uh, you know, if he didn't have the inferiority complex before, he might after because this missionary team of Paul and Silas is now Paul. <laughs> he went through Syria and Cilicia. And I don't believe Silas wasn't there. I just think it was 1 and 1A. Like Paul was the guy. It was no longer Paul and Barnabas. It was Paul's team. And Silas was part of the team confirming the churches. And then he, in verse 16, still referring to, to Paul, came to Derby and Lystra. And him, referencing Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him? And then look at verse 4. The tone changes. As they went through the cities, they delivered the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. Um, so um, the, the, the tone shifts. What is very centric around Paul in the uh, pronouns, is that, is, that what, is that what they are, pronouns? Help me out here. So pronouns of he was doing, Paul was doing, Paul was doing, after he gets to Timothy and he asks Timothy to go with him, we see Timothy mentioned in 16 and verse 1 and a little bit about him, but he was well reported. And him wouldn't, verse 3, would Paul have to go forth with him, but in verse 4, and as they went through, Paul now considers Timothy part of his missionary team. That's an important uh, perspective. That's an important concept that we need to, to, to keep, in tra uh, keep uh, on, our, on our mind. This is laying the groundwork for an, an entire epistle, the first epistle of 1 Timothy, the first epistle to Timothy, that Paul is writing. He sees him as part of his team. That is an adoption by Paul of Timothy, and we'll actually see Paul refer to him as a son, a beloved son, actually. And he pulls Timothy in and brings him under his wing. And I'm sure that there was a little bit of an awkward moment the first time, maybe a neat moment, but the, an awkward moment the first time Paul goes to the next city and introduces his missionary team and Timothy's on that team. I'm sure from Timothy's perspective, that was kind of a big deal. Uh, it was kind of like a validation, if you will. Uh, wow. Not that I've, quote, arrived, but that I'm part of the team. They went through. The, uh, the author of the book of Acts, Luke, now identifies the missionary team, not the individual, as, as the key, uh, key component. So our next point, he was committed and submitted to Christ but also to Paul. Now this, this part gets a little bit difficult. I don't know how to address it other than straight on. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. So he wants to take him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews. So literally, I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, it's a little bit of an awkward story, but Paul shows up and says, Timothy, I want you to come with me, but I got one condition. I am going to circumcise you. Like that's a that's a that's a significant level of commitment. I have and I'm not going to move away from the circumcision concept for just a moment. I have been both on both sides of this equation in ministry where someone has asked me to do something and I'm like, "Nah, I'm not ready. I'm not going to do it. I've got this to do." And I've been on the other side of the equation where I've asked someone to do something. Nah, nah, I can't do that. Not willing. It's not my Dale. It's not my gig. And I'm not even talking about circumcision. 
I'm talking about it's an whatever it is is an inconvenience or it's not part of the plan or whatever the case may be. Timothy, if we want to be like Timothy, and part of our hypothesis at least last week was the fact that Timothy is probably the guy in the New Testament we can be most like because we weren't an apostle or a disciple that walked with Christ and we weren't the apostle Paul seeing Christ in a heavenly vision. We had a situation where we got saved and we are following someone who's following Christ. Like we're probably most like Timothy. And here is this dude who, according to verse one of 16, I'm sorry, verse two of 16 was well reported of the brethren. This is a guy who's doing it. He's faithful. He's, he's following He's, at, he's doing the things he's been asked to do. And then all of a sudden, a dude comes along and says, but I've got to circumcise you. And the conversation might have even gone like, well, why? Well, because it might be important to other people. Excuse me? Like, that's a pretty big deal <laughs> to circumcise an adult individual. Like, an adult male is to get circumcised. I, I don't even want to go into the whole level of of, I guess I'll call it intimacy or the amount of business that Paul got in of Timothy. Like that's, Timothy was submitted. I don't, like I cannot come up with a better word than Timothy was on board for whatever God was doing through Paul. And he completely trusted him. And I was sharing with someone this last week that I believe God may call me to task on these words. I believe I could walk into Sam's office. Well, he's not going to be there. So I, I definitely could do this. I could walk into Sam's office and say this because he's not going to be there because he's got COVID. But, but when he comes back, I could walk into Sam's office and say, whatever you think I should do for the Lord, I'll do it. Like that's the level of commitment that Timothy had to Paul. And he might say, I need you to learn to do a backflip just so people know you know how to do a backflip. Okay, I guess I'll start practicing. And then he's not even necessarily going to ask me to do something as, as serious or as committed as, as a circumcision. But if you come to a situation where someone fa- lays out a ministry opportunity in front of you and you say no... Just remember that Timothy was willing to say yes. I don't know how else to put it. He was absolutely submitted and committed to both Christ and Paul. He ministered alongside a man who walked with Jesus. Now, you got to put a little, a, a few, a few things together here to make this work. But in Acts 16, starting in verse 10... And after he had seen the vision, Paul had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel. So we already know through the verses that already occurred, the they verses, that Timothy is part of this team. It's playing out through the rest of Acts. I'm not stretching scripture. Timothy is now on Paul's missionary team. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. 
whose heart the Lord opened up. She attended unto the things which were spoken of of Paul. Um, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Um, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us. So I don't know if you see, the again, the pronouns here, but it went from he, Paul, to they, Paul and Timothy and Silas, and now it's us and we. That means the author who is writing the book of Acts is now part of the team. That's the apostle Luke who walked with Jesus. So Timothy, having experienced Paul's personal evangelism and discipleship ministry, now has an opportunity on journeys that are relatively long, right? I mean, we're not talking, they didn't like hop on a plane and fly from, from you know, from Turkey to Greece. Like they, you know, they didn't, there was no quick train. This was, this was a journey. This was a process that took time. The dude could talk with Luke who walked with Jesus. Like that's a big deal. I mean, I can only imagine T Titus, this relatively young man saying, and then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> Tell me about when no, no, no. You can't you can't just you can't stop the story there. Keep it going. What happened like what happened after Peter got back in the boat after he and Jesus walked on water? Like tell me the tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me you were there. Tell me. I I don't know that. I don't think I'm making some big theological leap here. I would like to think if any one of us had the opportunity to travel hours on end, days on end, weeks on end with one of the apostles, one of the disciples who walked with Jesus, we would probably ask the same questions. I don't think I'm stretching anything. Like, hey, what was it like when, and what, was, what do you think Jesus was crying about when, he, when it says he, he wept? Like, what, what was his heart? What, you know, what was it like when you saw him? Could, was it really like the movies where you could hold it up and you could see through his, you know, like, what was it like to see Jesus? Like, was it a light that came on? Did the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit, like, all these questions that I can only imagine a person just like you and I would have, he had the opportunity to ask. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. I think that's pretty cool. So he ministered alongside a man who walked with Jesus. He was also had an opportunity to comfort Paul and Silas when they were released from prison. We like talking about this story, right? We like telling the story um, that, you know, when Paul and, and, um, and Silas were, were imprisoned, right? Um, I'm trying to, you know, they sing uh, the, the, the whole jailer story. So we're jumping down toward the, toward the end of Acts 16. And, um, and, and look in verse 37. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly and condemned to un uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now they thrust us out privately. Nay, verily, let, um, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the, the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And when they came... And besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. 
And when they went out of prison, out of the prison, they entered into where? The house of Lydia, the same lady who was constraining them, us, to stay with her. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. They comforted them and departed. There was this, uh, the, there was this mutual comfort, right? You could, I believe, you can easily say that Paul and Silas comforted the other believers because of what God did. But I could easily, I don't think I'm taking any kind of stretch, that the brethren comforted Paul and Silas because they just got done experiencing, or not too long, experiencing a beating. It was mentioned multiple times. Specifically in 37, Paul's like, hey, they beat us, openly beat us. So whoever's comforting whoever there in that, in that verse, what I do know is that's an intimacy. I had, I think I've told this story. We flew to um, Bogota, Colombia to do some evangelism back in 16, I think it was, summer of 16. And we woke up on a Saturday. We had finished the, the mission through the week. We were there for a week. We woke up on a Saturday. We, you know, it wasn't super early. We had to be at the airport, I want to say 11, 11.30, you know, late morning. Uh, went for a walk with a buddy of mine. Had a really good talk. The team, you know, we were really fellowshipping over a really great week. The people that, that had gotten saved and, and the work that the Lord had done. And we go to the airport. We check our stuff in. And we don't leave the airport until one, I think, in the morning, two or in the morning, and that was to go check into a hotel because flight after flight after flight kept getting canceled. And then we had to be back at the airport by six, so we only had a few hours of sleep in the hotel. We get back to the uh, to the airport, and we don't leave until I don't know seven, maybe six. It was late after late early evening that night before we left. I have never spent so much time in one airport. Uh, that was crazy. Just like I say, flight after flight after flight. Finally, when we left, they said, meet us at gate 23 or whatever it is. I'm making up the number. Meet us at gate 23 because the, the plane you were supposed to take yesterday that had a mechanical issue, we got to fly it back to the United States to get it back in circulation. You won't have a ticket, but let you get on. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, we've like we've missed like six flights, five flights, or something that they kept booking us on, and we kept getting bumped off. And so we're like, yeah, right. But we're trying to get out of Bogota, Colombia. We're trying to get home. So we literally sit. Uh, so we go to to gate twenty three, and they're like, oh, you guys are that group. Okay, fine. Get on this bus. They drove us to the end of the like where they store planes, like at the end of the tarmac. We're not at a gate anymore. We're like, are they going to take us out in the middle of nowhere and shoot us? We didn't know what was going to happen. We drive, and literally, it was the plane that would have otherwise seated hundreds of people. I don't know how many people would have fit on the plane. And there was, I don't know, 12 of us, something like that, on, on the plane. So we all sat in first class. I mean, it was like, it was awesome, awesome flight from Bogota to Miami. But the reason I say that is those in the, I will always share that experience with that, with those, with those folks. Like I, when we get together, we still talk about that. We still have that shared experience. They were comforting me. I was comforting them. We will always have that shared tribulation. We were not beaten. We stayed many hours in a hotel or in an airport, got to sleep in a regular bed for a few hours. Like we got over it. It was a light affliction. But we will always have that moment, that time. 
And Timothy and Paul will always have this moment. They will always have that moment when they connected back after the prison. Timothy wasn't in the prison like Silas was, but they will always have that moment. And then assuredly, he was most assuredly used by Paul in his early ministry. Notice now as we jump to uh, Acts 17 and verse 4, um, uh, well, go in verse 1 just for context. Now when they, uh, they, they, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica and there uh, was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. Notice Paul went into the synagogue, probably not Timothy Probably not Silas, probably not Luke, possibly Luke, uh, went in um, and unto them and uh, three, day, three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that uh, Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude... And of the chief women, not a few. So you've got, at the very least, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. As a, at the very least, a four-man mission team. And according to this, Paul and Silas interact with the Jews who believe. Are you guys with me? Generally? Paul and Silas consort, and some of them, the Jews, consort with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, who on your team is the best to deal with the Greeks. Timothy, he's half Greek. His dad's a Greek. He knows how to do, are the Greeks the ones that throw the plates down at a wedding? Like, he knows how to do the dance. I don't know, he like connects with them. Oompa, thank you, thank you. He's like been to the big, what is it, big fat Greek wedding, right? I mean, he's done that. He can connect with these people. If I, and I am no Paul, I am no Silas, and heck, I am no Timothy. But if I was leading a group, and I was dealing, if I was over here with Silas talking to the Jews, and there were some Greeks that believed, I mean, it's a duh to have to, to have Timothy interact with them. That's a duh to connect with them. So I am most assuredly that, or most assuredly, he was used by Paul in his early ministry, in Paul's early ministry, and he was a patient. Servant. He was a patient servant. And again, all of this is just background, right? Just a background to, to, to Timothy and, his, and Paul's uh, relationship. In Acts 17, picking up in verse 14 through 16. And immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, unto, uh, to the sea to get on a boat. Uh, but, but Silas and Timotheus abode there, uh, abode there still. And they that conducted Paul, so some people went with Paul, brought him unto Athens. So the team has now been split up. Paul goes with some of the local folks and heads to Athens, probably via boat, and receives a, uh, so the, those that took him to Athens received a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed while, uh, and they departed. So basically, there were these folks that took Paul to Athens, right? They head out, and when they get there, Paul sends them back and says, "Okay, now bring Silas and to, uh, and or now have Silas and, and Timotheus or Timothy come." So, what does this mean? Well, well, and they, but yeah, some time frame for to come with all speed. They departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, this is not a again. This is not four hours because you got to get on a flight. 
there was time to go across for those messengers to come back and get uh, Silas and Timothy and for them to go. What's that mean? He's a patient. He doesn't have to be the center of attention. He doesn't have to be in the midst of every aspect of, of ministry. He can sit by and wait for the opportunities to arise. And I don't mean that in a passive way, but I mean, don't you don't have to say, hey, 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 pick me, pick me. Like, you don't have to do that in ministry. Let the Lord work through the Holy Spirit and prepare you for the time that's right. This little story of, of, of Paul going first and, and then them coming kind of doesn't make sense except for what follows in the, book of, uh, in the book of Acts at Athens. So while he was there, he has, and look actually in verse 16, um, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the, whole, the city wholly given to idolatry. And he goes up into the, the uh, Mars Hill in verse 22, uh, and, he, and he preaches to them like God was at work doing something, and it was right for Silas and Timothy to not be an, inter, an, an intimate or integral part of that little facet. Like, I need to take great comfort that when Sam or Kenny or Chris Best or any of the pastors of this church ask me to do something, it's for the purpose that they've asked me to do. Like, it's, I don't have to say, but what about that? I want to be a part of that thing. No, I can just be very content that God moved through the leadership to get me involved in what I need to get involved with. Like, I need to be confident in that. I don't have to stick my nose where it doesn't belong. Timothy was a patient servant. He also welcomed new team members. He welcomed new team members. So jump on over to Acts 18. I know we're skimming through a lot of things, hitting a lot of mountaintops here, but but again, we're laying this groundwork. Acts 1 and 2 or Acts 18, 1 and 2. And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, come lately from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, one of the couples that we'll be studying in our, in our character study, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And uh, so, so, so this Aquila and Priscilla have now hooked up with Paul when Titus and Silas are not there. Are they his new best friends? Am I going to get all emotional because, well, you left us behind and now you have new ministry partners? And no, that isn't how this thing goes down. God adds to the body. God places people in the body as it pleases him. And so we have to take great comfort in new people that might take that uh, move my cheese, right? Isn't that what the, the Who Moved My Cheese, the book that was so popular back, I don't know, at this point, it's probably 15 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, about the fact that sometimes transitions in ministry can seem like, well, what did I do wrong? Nothing. Maybe God's preparing you for something else. And that's a good thing, right? So while... Titus and Silas, uh, T- Titus and Silas, Silas and Timothy are not with Paul. He gets new friends and they're now the most important thing on the face of the earth. And I'm sure I can see Timothy and Titus. Oh, why in the world am I saying Titus? <laughs> Timothy and Silas kicking the ground saying, Paul doesn't like us the best anymore. No, it's part of the team. It's part of the team. And look at this in verse five. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. 
And then jump down to verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence unto Syria and took, oh my gosh, here it happens again, took with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Trenchia, for he had a vow. Like, the, there's a dynamic in ch- change. And look, I'm probably preaching the choir here a little bit, at least some of the folks in here, because you went through a change with a wonderful leader in Mike, and then you ended up with me. I get it. You stuck it out. I appreciate that. But so, so I'm probably, again, preaching to the choir because the folks are, that are rolling with change. But change happens. But they welcome new team members. There's like no animosity here. Titus is not getting balled around the axle because now, well, Paul's off, traipsing on with Aquila and Priscilla. He must like them better. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And I, I know, I, well, I'm very confident of that because our last point, maybe our last point, he was a witness to the creation of Scripture and is trusted to deliver it. He witnesses the creation of Scripture. <clears throat> now, I would argue he probably didn't know that at that point that it was Scripture, but he witnessed it and is trusted to deliver it. So jump over to, to Acts 19, 20 to 22. So, and I, I realize there's a paragraph, but we marker at 21, but I want to I talk about 20 for just a second. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. There is a reference here to the fact that scripture is being penned. Okay? It's being penned. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent unto Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, whom, uh, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. Okay. But he in Asia, or, but he, uh, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. Look at, and you can just look on, on, uh, on the screen here, First Corinthians 14, 4.17. We'll, we'll connect the dots in a second. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring to you in every remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Literally, you can see this also at the end of most Bibles, at the end of First Corinthians. If you go to the end of First Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 24, but it's actually the, the postscript after that. The first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi by Stephanus, Fortunaeus, uh, Achaeus, and Timotheus. And it doesn't mean that Timothy actually wrote it, although he might have written it out for Paul because Paul had either bad eyes and or bad hands. We don't know the thorn in the spirit that Paul had that he has he, uh, mentioned. But it is at least possible that Timothy wrote the words, but he certainly, most certainly, was asked to deliver them. So whatever role that Aquila and Priscilla take, and I'm looking forward to studying that, Whatever role that they take, they didn't usurp or, uh, or, or take Timothy's spot. The team was growing, and it needed all of those folks in there because Timothy was being called to an amazing, an amazing blessing. He had, check this out, 
He had the opportunity to deliver the word of God. Whoa, so do we. (laughs) We literally have that same opportunity to deliver the word of God to people. So he was witness of uh, the creation of scripture and is trusted to deliver it. Now I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and I want you to look at this. In all the Pauline epistles, the epistles written by Paul, Timothy is mentioned in all of these, either by the word Timothy or Timotheus. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, obviously 1st and 2nd Timothy, Philemon, and Hebrews, if you subscribe to the fact that Paul wrote Hebrews, and I do. It's not a definitive, but I do. The only books he was not mentioned in are Galatians, Ephesians, and Titus. That is an amazing relationship. And if I were in a situation where I was around men of God who were taking from the Holy Spirit and communicating through the Word of God, I would hope that they would mention me three times to two or whatever it is, three to one or whatever it is. Like, I would want them to say, boy... You know, at all church retreat, I would want them to say, yeah, Mitch has been a good minister or Mitch has been a Mitch has been a, a nice addition or Mitch has been a, a, a wonderful uh, son to me, beloved son. We're going to see some of those descriptions in just a second. Man, he's he's jumping in with both feet. He's he's bought into the mission. Like, and I'm not even talking like they're not saying things like, man, Mitch is good looking. Right. Because they wouldn't. I mean, that's not it's a given that they wouldn't actually say that. But I would want the men that I serve under and even the women that I serve under in certain cases to mention me like this. Like I would want my ministry to model Timothy. And that's part of the reason I wanted to to spend so much time in the book of Acts showing how similar we could be to Timothy. And then we'll look at these last uh, additional insights and we'll wrap up for, th- for today. The additional insights about Timothy, look at these just references. I think they're on the back of your page. Um, just They're just snippets. I guess in some cases it's the full verse. But Timothy, or Timotheus, my work fellow. Like, he's a work fellow. Like, he's digging in. 1 Corinthians 4.17, for this cause, we just looked at this, have I sent unto you, Timotheus, who's my beloved son. So he's a beloved son to Paul. But he's also faithful in the Lord. And he's got a mission to bring in remembrance of the ways uh, which we be in Christ, as I have taught. So he's going to reproduce what I, what I teach. 1 Corinthians 16.10, now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. For he doeth the work of the Lord as I do. Which is kind of interesting. Again, this is not the message for today. But Timothy clearly has an issue with fear. I don't know if you've... Like, we're going to see that, right? We're going to see that a recurring theme. That that this dude who has ministered, arguably has seen miracles, arguably has, has been at the, you know, next to the guy who walked with Jesus, who, who has, has comforted the Apostle Paul or was comforted by him, one of the two, uh, this direct fruit, this guy that is, that is rubbing elbows with spiritual giants has a fear problem. Like he's a lot like us. He's got a fear problem. 2 Corinthians 1.19 for the son, of, uh, the son of God Jesus Christ who is preached among you by us even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus like 
T- Timothy had a chance to preach. Like, it was awesome. I mean, I'm not thrilled that 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 our pastor's not feeling well, and I I have every reason to believe he'll he'll recover just fine. But it was a blessing to hear Jeff today, and it was a different tone. It was a different style. I mean, his he just poured his heart out. Like most people are not going to get up and talk about how they their uh, their employer put them on a performance improvement plan. It's pretty transparent. Pretty transparent, and it's an honor to think that that that's the guy and the kind of guy ministering to our youth, uh, especially even our own our own son. Um, but Paul and Tim, uh, Timothy are servants of of Jesus Christ. I mean, all of these folks that have the opportunity that Paul doesn't just keep. Paul doesn't, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm casting stones here. Paul doesn't have one big mega church with a bunch of campus churches that have to pat, that have to patch Paul's message in because Paul's the only one that can really preach. Everybody really likes Paul. Well, duh, everybody would like listening to Paul. But what does Paul do? He allows Timotheus and Silas or Silvanus to also teach. Like that's a big deal. That's a big deal. The Holy Spirit speaks through all of us if we allow him. Colossians 1.1, Paul and Timotheus are brother. So he sees him as a son, a work fellow, but also a brother. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you, to comfort your, you concerning your faith. So here is a guy who has his own struggles, yet he has an opportunity to invest in others uh, and their faith. So <clears throat> we're going to wrap up a little a little bit early today, but I did a I don't know I, I can't really call it a word cloud. I don't think that's fair to call it a word cloud. But this is a version or actual all the things all the points the fourteen points that I had or fifteen points that I had plus these additional insights. This is all the the what of Timothy as a guy. He ministered alongside of Luke. He was used by Paul. He was a minister. He was sent. He was a preacher. He may have seen miraculous healings. He welcomed new team members. He was patient. He was familiar with division. Like, literally, this is us. And I don't just mean Midtown. I mean, this is the, the, this is the Christian. This is the believer. Like, we're, we have all of these opportunities right in front of us if we just seize them. So as we go into next week and we actually start the text in 1 Timothy, I would really encourage you to read, probably just read at least a chapter. I mean, 1 Timothy is not super long. You probably can get it done if you want to read the whole book. But try to read it a few times. Just familiarize yourself with it. and kind of, I call it percolate or marinate in it, um, and and just try to do that as we approach uh, as we approach next week. I appreciate uh, your attentiveness and hope that the Lord has spoken, you know, just out of His Word. To be honest, about this amazing guy who was in an amazing time and had this great opportunity to minister alongside of Paul, and he just he hits it out of the park. He does it. He's a guy. He's going to have failures. But boy, was he dedicated and, and uh, committed to Christ. So um, let's let's pray, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Lord, we do thank you for loving us. We thank you for uh, your passion toward us. We thank you for the example of Timothy and how many times he even appears in Scripture and all those different books. And and so we, we, we praise you for his example. I'm sure if he was standing here today, he would, uh, he would you know, look down and he wouldn't want the accolades. But Lord, help us to 
Help us to be like Timothy. Help us to to grow. Help us to to make those discipleship decisions that we need to make in our lives that Timothy made. And as we do that, and as we see Paul's direct admonishment, his direct charge, his direct instruction to Timothy, may we apply it to our lives uh, so that we can walk uh, worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And and so, Lord, we, we thank you. We ask that you just continue to grow us and uh, be a wonderful God to us. In Jesus' name, amen.